Hey folks, Winston from HubSpot here. Yes, yes, the very same company that makes this podcast. But they also make some killer marketing, sales, and service software. Later in the episode, we'll hear from one of HubSpot's customers that's a shrine to all things rock and roll. Learn more about how HubSpot can help you grow your business at HubSpot.com slash customer love. <laughs> okay. Kat Schneider was like many soon-to-be mothers. When she found out she was pregnant, she tore through her home and read every single ingredient on every last product she owned. Cleaning supplies. Trash. Deodorant. Trash. Any and everything that could be considered toxic found a cozy new home inside her trash bin. With that out of the way, next step was a prenatal vitamin. But Kat's friends couldn't recommend even one brand to her. And Kat soon learned ingredients were more of a mystery-inside-every-bottle type scenario. Kat saw a problem, and the entrepreneur in her wanted to fix it. But here's the thing. Kat wasn't a scientist, and she was four months pregnant. But if you're like Kat, that's not going to stop you from changing the, oh, you know, $36 billion vitamin industry. Kat talks about her journey in founding Ritual, the essential women's and prenatal vitamin company. Kat tells me why she chose to make the company direct-to-consumer and why women are so integral to the company's focus. I'm Megan Keeney-Anderson, and this is The Growth Show. Let's kind of start back when you began this journey. You were pregnant. You were thinking about your health and a lot of the things that we think about as far as what we take in and, and how that affects not only ourselves but our future children. Tell me about that moment. Exactly. I think when you are pregnant, you care more than ever what you're putting in and on your body. And at the time, I was an investor here in LA running a venture capital fund and was investing in startups and was partners with Troy Carter, who had a fund of over 70 companies, everything from Uber, Dropbox, Warby Parker, yeah. Spotify. And I was really enjoying meeting with founders and investing in their businesses and helping them grow their brands. But when I got pregnant, it was kind of a different ballgame. I started to care really deeply, even more than ever before, about what I was putting in and on my body. Yeah. And like most moms, got rid of you know household products, deodorants, sunscreens, toothpastes, cleaning supplies. <laughs> I'm picturing you walking through your house with like a with like a box and just throwing things in there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And you know, driving my husband absolutely crazy and you know, telling him don't spray your cologne in this corner of the house and and so on and so forth. Um you know, I was taking a prenatal like most uh, moms when they're trying to get pregnant or when they are pregnant. Yeah. And started to kind of question it differently and saw one day just you know, took a look at ingredients on the product that I was ingesting and wanted to do something about it. I, I wasn't happy with what I found. And, you know, I called up a number of friends and asked them, hey, what what type of vitamin are you guys taking every day? You know, you have four kids. You, you must have been yeah. taking prenatals for 10 years. <laughs> um, 
give me the best one. And what I found was that nobody could even remember the name of the brand, (laughs) something they'd been taking every single day. Yeah. That was really pivotal for me to realize, hey, there's this $36 billion industry. One out of two U.S. adults are taking vitamins every single day, but most of us really don't know what's inside. Did this come on as a rush or did you always have an interest or a passion there? Passion always existed. I was always curious about how things were made and why and kind of the intention behind them. But I would say it just increased dramatically when I had a life growing inside of me and the responsibility that you feel as a new mom Mm -hmm. for somebody other than yourself. It definitely magnified. And I would say the other thing is just the level of creativity that I felt being pregnant was unlike anything else. Oh, that's interesting. That's not usually what you hear. You, you usually hear women talking about being tired or being unable to focus because you're physically growing a human. But you're saying that you had kind of a heightened sense of creativity? Yeah, definitely. Huh. So what's the process today for most women in getting vitamins? Most women will go to their local health food store or their local pharmacy and and peruse the shelves and have so many options for kind of generic vitamins and cobble together a formulation that they think will work for them without really understanding what's going on in their body. And, And I think that's the most typical way. There's also obviously Amazon and other retailers online that sell vitamins to women. But it's really rare. And I think we were kind of the first to pioneer that using technology um, to really create the world's first traceable vitamin and to show women where every single ingredient was coming from in the world and why it was there. And having um, kind of this direct-to-consumer model allows us to really go deep with our customers. And what did what did you find when you started looking into vitamins? What is the problem with most common vitamins out there? There's a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first being the formulation. And what I was shocked by was that, you know, you take a typical multi, it has 20 to 40 nutrients in it, um, kind of A to Z. And it turns out that most women are getting a lot of nutrients from their diets already. Mm-hmm. That's pretty shocking, right, that you actually don't need the 20 to 40 things that your multivitamin is giving you. Your food is giving you a lot of that. Yeah. Even healthy, unhealthy diets, it, it doesn't matter. So that was really shocking to me when our lead scientist and I just spent a year researching women's diets. And we identified were really only nine essential nutrients that women could use more of. And how we kind of came up with that was not only based on diets and what women were lacking, but other factors like their genetics. And for instance, over a third of women have a a genetic variation where they can't properly utilize synthetic folate, folic acid, that's in 90% of vitamins. And then we go, yeah, so it's pretty crazy. You know, you have most multis, they have folic acid, but women aren't even utilizing those nutrients. So, So looking at genetic variations, we added a couple of nutrients in there that bypass genetic variations that all of our bodies could use. And then I would say a couple more things that are wrong with most vitamins out there are really the forms. Yeah. I think a lot of companies don't 
give women enough credit to know that forms really do matter, just like the different um, types of food we eat, whether it's, you know, I don't, I mean, I'm a vegan, so this is a bad example, <laughs> but, you know, pasture-raised eggs versus non-pasture-raised eggs versus organic um, and so on and so forth. So with vitamins, the forms really do matter. So D3 is actually different than D2. Oh, okay, K2, right. MK7 is different than K1. Methylcobalamin for B12 is different than cyanocobalamin for B12. So you have a lot of generic vitamins that use the less preferred forms, which... But um, you would never know because it's got the same letter D in it or it's got the same Yeah, sometimes they're, they're just generically labeled. Um, and then it, even if they aren't, um, labeled uh, companies that allow women to actually go deep into what those differences mean for our bodies and why. Mm -hmm. So forms are really, really critical, and that's also what's missing. And then I guess finally, one of the things that led me to create Ritual was this idea of a clean vitamin. And I was kind of shocked by the ingredients that I found and excipients and fillers that were in some of the products that I was recommended to take. And I thought that was the main problem with the industry. But it turned out it was just... It's, that was just it's, the beginning. And that was just the beginning. That's what, that's <laughs> what caused me to start the company. But it turned out that there were so many other layers and factors. You sound like someone who has a PhD in science. How, <laughs> but your background is VC. How big of a leap was this from VC? And when did you know you had to get serious about it? Yeah, it was definitely, I think being a founder was a leap from being a venture capitalist in, in a huge way. As a venture capitalist, you are meeting with lots of founders and hearing pitches and hearing stories. But as a founder, you're really in it day to day and you have to build a team around you that uh, kind of fills in the gaps. Yeah. <laughs> and for myself, it was around the science. I was really passionate about the science, but I needed experts and leaders in the industry to jump ship and join the yeah. cause. And to convince them of that when it was just myself um, was no small feat. But off the bat, we hired one of the leading scientists in the industry who had 30 years of nutraceutical industry experience, was the head of research previously at Schiff, which owned Airborne. He was so instrumental to uncovering a lot of the things that I had no, no idea about. And I think what was interesting there is a lot of people say, hey, you you wanted to, you know, reinvent the industry, but then you hired someone yeah. who came from the industry. Like, what are you thinking? Yeah. But the scientist who's still part of our team and, and leads research for us kind of knew where all the skeletons were buried. Um, he was really passionate because he'd wanted to use these better forms of nutrients his whole career, but companies weren't necessarily using them previously because A, they were really expensive. Right. And B, there was no way for them to communicate directly to their consumers the value of using better forms and better nutrients. So this was such an interesting opportunity for him to finally create a product that he could really get behind and he'd been waiting to do his whole career. And one of the things I said to him was, hey, like build a vitamin that you'd want your wife to take. And that's how it kind of started. Yeah. Can I ask you one, one more kind of personal question about your own experience here? Because I'm just really interested around how these ideas start to just sort of start to develop and turn into something bigger. 
this started as something that bothered you about your own experience. And then it turned into an observation about the larger space. And then somehow it turned into not just a change you were going to make for yourself, but a idea for a business for thousands and, and eventually millions of women. Can you take me to that moment where you first decided that this isn't just a personal choice, this is a business? Yeah, the first time that I decided this wasn't just a choice, but this was going to be a business is actually the same time I realized that I needed to raise money for this idea. And that's when I was four months pregnant, I raised our first round of funding and I went up to Silicon Valley and met with some of the leading investors, technology investors and venture capitalists. I met with a lot of investors here in, in LA and I think one of the most critical moments for me was when I was told no. <laughs> yeah. And I went into a pretty well-known venture capitalist office and was like, hey, I have this amazing idea. I've known you for a long time. I'm going to reinvent the vitamin. <laughs> and I'm four months pregnant. And he kind of paused and was like, you know, you have two choices, really. You can, A, start a company, um, or B, you can have a family. But no. you can't really do both. Or like, I haven't really seen someone start off and, and do both those things from my own personal experience. And <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just so, like right off the bat, and this is someone you know? Yeah, it's someone I know. <laughs> what was your response to that? I mean, did it take you aback? Were you surprised? It propelled me to move forward and kind of gave me the the firepower to think, hey, I'm going to make this into something really, really big. <laughs> and you're going to see. And I'm going to have two kids or more <laughs> in the next couple of years because I, I can't wait to have yeah. a family as well. And so that's what that's what I did. And in the last couple of years, I've had two kids and the company's grown and and it just shows that women are capable of so many things and we're capable of having families and building meaningful businesses that are growing. And yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> More with Kat after this quick break. In case you hadn't heard, Cleveland rocks. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it really has all of the different sounds associated with rock. You've got blues, R&B, soul, funk, jazz, punk. We are definitely a music lover's bucket list destination. That's Ellie of Senek. I am the director of content marketing at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rock Hall is home to the memories and memorabilia of rock and roll legends. And its hallowed halls attract visitors and partners almost all on their own. Now, that's great for attendance numbers. But for Ellie, she found herself, well, dancing in the dark. We didn't really know a lot about how people got to us, what's driving visitors here, and at the same time wondering what are the different kinds of people who want to come to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She couldn't reach out to customers, see where they'd be visiting from, or what else they'd be interested in seeing. Ellie and her team of 12, basically. We wanted more than to just send an email to every address that we had. She needed something that could unify her team and easily message with people looking to visit the Rock Hall. Ellie saw the community was plugged into Facebook, 
so she used HubSpot's Messenger integration. You can tell that these people are really passionate about these artists, and there was a lot of common visitor-facing questions, and the answers were actually on our website, so we'll create a menu based on the top things that people are asking about. We want to connect with fans. We want to let them know they've been heard, so it's really important to respond and to engage. HubSpot's integration with Messenger took the guesswork out of where customers were coming from, what they were looking for, and how to reach them. So if there was an event that night at the Rock Call, Ellie could message ticket holders to let them know about parking or traffic. Messenger helped Ellie meet folks where they preferred to communicate with all the context she needed. We want all the fans who come to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to have an amazing experience from beginning to end. And if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame didn't use HubSpot, we would still not know who our visitors are and what kind of experience they want. So whether you're a fan of David Grohl or David Byrne, at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, there's something for everyone. Check out more stories from our customers at HubSpot.com slash customer love. HubSpot, grow better. I mean, it's, uh, of course, of course you're right, but I've got to imagine that you're going through this thing, two things for the very first time. You've never been pregnant before. You never had a baby before. You've never started a business before. That, you know, you say that casually now, but that must have been a serious feat in just confidence in yourself and in the idea to look someone in the face who had told you you can't do this and say, I think I can. Yeah, I don't know what it is. And I know you, you've been pregnant as well, but there's almost this feeling of I can't be stopped yeah. when, when I've been pregnant twice at least now. And this feeling of I can really do anything and now the stakes are a little bit higher and I'm doing this not just for myself, but for my future family as well. And I have to make this work. Yeah, there there is a little bit of like, wow, I've got to, be the person that I want to be because this is it. Like now there's going to be someone looking up to me to see like, what type of person I am and, and if I'm living the, the sort of life I wanted to. So there is that kind of added pressure, I think, to not just stroll through life and to actually sort of make the imprint you want to have. 100%. Huh. Still, though, that's that's got to be hard. So shifting back to the, to the company and to the sort of vitamin industry again, when it comes to vitamins, there's still a lot of skeptics out there. Mm-hmm. Are you trying to convince those people or are you going for the people that are already dedicated to, to vitamins and healthy living? I'd say our best customers are the ones that are the skeptics. And really? Yeah. So 59% of our customers never regularly took vitamins as adults, never had a consistent vitamin habit. 59%? Yep. How do you battle that? I mean, is it just relentless transparency? Is it relationships over time? How do you win over the skeptics? I think the biggest thing we can do as a company is to constantly improve and evolve our product. And one of the the ways that we're doing that is just to stay on the course that we're on, which is building out our scientific team and we just added two new scientists to our team. One was a Harvard-trained physiologist. The other huh. is a registered-trained dietitian, PhD in nutrition, and applying their thinking towards this industry and the and our constant pursuit of 
um, progress in a way around a one single vitamin world, evolving this one, one single vitamin, making it the best it could possibly be is really the best way. And for us, that also involves investing in human clinical studies, being kind of relentlessly transparent. And we don't even use the word transparency really anymore. Yeah. So establishing trust is the first step. But then you're also dealing with this uphill battle of habit. Vitamin is something that has to be taken every day. I know that when I was taking a prenatal vitamin, I had to be reminded, I had to set reminders because it just wasn't part of my routine. And you're trying to pull in those people who are, you know, 59% of people have never taken a vitamin before. How do you reinforce habit and deal with the behavior and the behavioral patterns of your consumers as a business? Yeah, that habit is really something we're also really focused on and kind of behavioral psychology. And one of the things that people might see on our site is just like, you know, they're like, wow, it's a beautiful site. It's so clean and so well-designed. And what people don't realize is that we're also a technology company and we have a full team of engineers and folks focused on data and analytics and researchers constantly talking to customers and trying to understand what helps them form habits and what we're doing that's getting them there. Yeah. And so we're in a way not just building the greatest daily vitamin out there, but we're also building a habit company and a platform that mm-hmm. that changes the way that women interact with the products they use every single day. So this is a physical touch point, but we send a sticker calendar uh, in everyone's second month who's a subscriber and it keeps them accountable for the month and it's a fun way for them to keep track. Another thing that we do is we give customers the flexibility to snooze or rush their orders Hmm. as much as they want. So they're able to uh, really take the subscription on their own terms and it's a platform that we've built ourselves in-house and we're constantly iterating on based on the data. And last New Year's, we launched a series of habit bots (laughs) through Facebook Messenger. We were able to program these various bots that allowed women to form healthier habits around drinking more water, moving more, taking their vitamins, and thinking positively. And it was really interesting um, because we created these chat bots that would constantly send content and and research and information to women every single day to encourage them. Hmm. One other thing I'm curious about, Kat, is, you know, you started this company while you were pregnant. So much of this company is built up around an audience of women. How central are women to your identity as a company? Or could you see yourself expanding out into uh, a men's daily multivitamin or other audiences? For sure. So women are really key for us it's our community right now. And I think what's kind of interesting as for us as a business is, you know, we launched with one single vitamin skew, one single product when I was told to launch many. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was really determined to just constantly evolve and perfect the one single vitamin she needs. Yeah. And, you know, I was also told, hey, you should launch children's men's and dogs and whatnot <laughs> all at the same time as more well. More products, yeah. <laughs> more product, more share wallet, more customers. Um, and you, you hear a lot of opinions all the time as a founder. Yeah. But my philosophy has always been kind of fewer, better ideas and 
this idea of less is more is something we've even trademarked as a company. Yeah. And women are an interesting category for us because our company is female-led and a majority of our employees are female. Our board is three out of four members are female. So hmm. we obviously know a little bit about women. Yeah. And <laughs> it was a little bit easier to kind of understand women. But what I found through research was that the area of women's health was underserved. And when you look at human clinical studies, even the individuals that were that are recruited for studies are mostly men. And so I thought that was pretty yeah. shocking. And I wanted to change that. And through building this company and through kind of creating this laser focused around the single vitamin she needs through her life state, different life stages, we're able to address areas of research in women's health that are were previously untouched. Yeah. And um, I think that that's really exciting to expand not just our business, but something a little bit bigger than just the areas that we touch. Yeah. So having the discipline to stay simple, stay focused is one decision you made. The other one was you decided to build the business as direct-to-consumer and not go the more traditional drugstore and supermarket route. Can you tell me about that choice? Yeah. So one of the things that was kind of core to starting the business was making better ingredients available to all women and going direct to consumer has really allowed us to do that in so many ways. Yeah. And when I think about the ingredients that we're using in our products, like omega threes from microalgae alone would cost a woman over $30 just to buy in the store. And really? yep. Um, so omega threes in our product, which have EPA and DHA, um, if you were to buy them, in the store, they would cost you over $30. Mm -hmm. And if you were to cobble together the ingredients in our product, um, it would cost you over $200. And by going direct and going subscription only, we're able to create a product that's a dollar a day yeah, and something that is accessible to all women. And that makes me really, really happy to know that we're able to not compromise on quality because of that. And right. I think the other thing that being a direct-to-consumer brand allows us to do is have a conversation with our customer and really understand her. One of the, the coolest things that, that I think about is we launched a prenatal vitamin a couple months ago as our second product, and our whole campaign was around pre-pregnancy. So when you're thinking or trying to get pregnant, typically prenatals have been marketed to women when they are pregnant, not when they're thinking or trying, yes. um, and yep. which is which is crazy because almost half of pregnancies in the U.S. are unplanned, and the first 28 days of pregnancy are when the neural tube forms, and most women don't even know to take yeah. a prenatal before. <laughs> so we wanted to change that, and we did a whole campaign around that, and I think it was hugely successful because when I look at the data, I know which of our customers are, why they're taking a prenatal, and uh, over half of our customers are taking prenatals because they're trying to get pregnant. And then to me, that's a huge success. Yeah. It's almost um, like a public service campaign at that point. Exactly. And that, that was that was the intention behind it as well. Yeah. And I'm, I'm super proud of that campaign. It's interesting because then I can look at the data because we're capturing data for women as they're coming in. And I know their due dates and I know what the, why they're taking a prenatal. And I know how to, how to um, create a better 
product experience because of that. But I can also see if kind of the messaging is working. Yeah. So final question for you. Being pregnant taught you to value where ingredients come from and what's in the things that we put in our bodies. And so you started out and founded Ritual. Now, of course, you're a mother of two. What has being a parent continued to teach you about your company and what you're aspiring to do here? I think being a mom is probably the greatest lesson that I've ever (laughs) encountered in my life. And I've learned so much about what I want other new moms and new dads in our company to experience. Mm. And in a lot of ways, it's changed the way that we put together something like a maternity or paternity leave policy here, even though we're an early, early stage company. The other things that, that I think have, that I've kind of learned as a mom are, are juggling so many things at once. I think most founders typically do that anyway. Um, but being a mom, you get really you, good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you are good at it. Yeah, you're like the best. (laughs) There's no one better than a mom at at juggling multiple things at once and multiple conversations at once. Yeah. I also feel really lucky. You know, my daughter's now close to three and a half and she understands that mom has a company. Yeah. And it's really kind of humbling to have kids that you're becoming a role model for. Yeah. And should you ever want it, you have a great I told you so moment waiting for that VC if you run into him again. <laughs> yeah. And and I've run into him, but oh, yeah. I've kind of tossed it aside and kind of I don't even bring it up because I think it's it's obvious, right? So we've grown yeah. so much that something that I'm sure he's very aware of. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Well, Kat, thank you so much uh, for sharing your story and taking the time. Thank you so much. Today's episode was produced by Matthew Brown, with additional help from Isis Madrid. Next week is our last episode of the season. Already! Time is a swift little bird sometimes. Our episode next week is with Piera Gallardi of Refinery29. Trust me, you won't want to miss it. So be sure to hit that subscribe button now. Ugh, I don't want it to end. Okay, as always... I'm Megan Keeney-Anderson, and thanks for listening.